your first salon in this series is about weird people, weird as in the acronym, not just abnormal people. And I thought that that was a curious way to to start the series. So just wanted to get your thoughts on why start with you know that topic as the first salon in that series. Yeah, of course. Uh, so for those who aren't familiar with the acronym, WEIRD stands for Western, Educated, Industrialized, Rich, and Democratic. And um, the reason I, I bring it up at the beginning is because throughout the salon, I want to talk about, of course, culture and immigration, um, but not only from personal perspectives and not only from anecdotal um, stories, but also looking at actual research. And whenever we, not only in the realm of psychology, but when we're, a lot of the research that we get and a lot of these headlines that you see in newspapers and everything, it comes from weird research. An American undergraduate is 4,000 times more likely to be in a study than someone outside of these weird countries. And obviously that's quite problematic when we're, when we're understanding some things about humans on a universal level. And that's why I kind of bring that up. So yeah, one, on a research level. And then two, just because, well, of course, I'm kind of generalizing here, but I think a lot of Westerners, we kind of approach a lot of things as though we are the norm, right? Because we are culturally dominating. If you look at music, if you look at movies, that that is true. Uh, but if you look at normal as in what is the norm, we're, we're definitely not, we're the minority. So that's just kind of the approach that I want people to think about when, when starting to talk about culture. I'm really fascinated about you know, what, you're, what you mean when you talk about a sense of foreignness, which you, you, you write a lot about. Um, you know, what, do, you, do you feel like foreignness is, is you know, how would you define that term as, as you use it and as you identify with it? And how how is that term related to a sense of being at home? Because you've also written about how, you know, as kind of quote unquote a perpetual foreigner, once you feel at home somewhere, you kind of have a have a desire to leave. So I'm curious as to you know, how you kind of flesh out those those terms. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't really have. A sp- a specific or my own definition for foreignness. I mean, in my throughout my blog and throughout the podcast, I always talk about being inescapably foreign, right? Like I have something in myself, and I think a lot of other people do as well, where sometimes I'm comfortable and I feel good. And it's like, oh, finally I'm at ease. And then I don't know if it's a conscious decision or something like beyond my control. I just put myself into a position where I'm uncomfortable. And, um, yeah, to, to tie that into foreignness, I mean, of course, being foreign is just n- not being part of that culture, right? And to feel foreign, feeling that you don't fit in with some of those customs. Um, but a sense of home and then talking about foreignness, right? Because you, I know you mentioned that. For me, I always say that home isn't rooted in geography, at least for me. Uh, home is rooted in in the people, so it, it's something that I'm exploring a lot. Like, can, like you, you mentioned, right? Like, can you be at home and not have a country, right? Like, can you be just like a, a world citizen? And I think so. And I think that's something that I'm trying to promote with all of this. 
is that instead of being like, you know, uh, uh, United States is my home, China is my home, Granada is my home, the world should be our home. Like, imagine if everyone thought that way, right? If we all just felt like, okay, this entire world is our home. Like, I think that type of feeling would limit a lot of the, the conflicts in the world. Of course, it would help with the climate crisis and everything like that. But of course, it's easier said than done, right? Because I, I do think that um, patriots, uh, uh, being like a patriot plays a role in a lot of things in our society. Remember, not being a nationalist. I think there's uh, some flawed rhetoric there where people get being a nationalist, uh, confused being a nationalist with being a patriot, right? But how boring would sports be if there was no sense of patriotism? Definitely, I think a divide or at least a spectrum between, you know, people who really feel, you know, at home with the world or feeling like a world citizen to people who really identify not just with a country, but maybe even a city or a village or a neighborhood. Um, do, Do you see those as pretty categorical differences as there's a type of person who feels deeply rooted in geography and place and maybe even a particular place and time um, versus someone who's, um, you know, thinks of themselves more as a world citizen, a nomad. Is is it like a, like a deep personality identity thing? Or do you think that it's actually a little bit more changeable um, as, as a, you know, I think it. I think it's changeable and flexible, right? Um, I think with with all these things, whenever we're using, I I kind of take the stance where we have to stay away from categories. I don't know what it is with people, but we're we're in love with categories. Whether it's academia, um, uh, which uses categories for often beneficial reasons, or when it comes to politics, <laughs> when like identity politics and things like that, where I find. Uh, these labels are used to separate people. Um, but when it comes like to your question, like this this idea of being either more someone who wants to stay at home and local versus someone who feels like a world citizen, I it, it's on a dimension, just like with a lot of these things that we consider to be, okay, either like um, straight or gay or what uh, uh this gender or this gender right like it's, it's all a little bit more fluid i mean the more research you do into anything whether it be men- mental illness c- citizenship right um everything kind of is on a spectrum and on a dimension i guess like an example of that would be is someone that is able to go to a different country because they want to right so they just go to a different country because they want to experience something new versus like a refugee who is forced into a different country, right? So that that refugee who's forced into a different country, they might not have had that personality or that drive to see different cultures. But then when they do, the outcome is, is often the same, right? At the beginning, obviously, the perspectives will be quite different. Um, but the refugee or the person who just wanted to travel is going to have to learn a new language, is going to have to acculturate and it's going to have to yeah, get used to this different culture. And because of that, they're going to become open-minded or even if they don't become open-minded because who knows what the political realm is in that country or who knows what the rhetoric is happening at that time, um, they're still going to have more knowledge and learn something different, right? So 
yeah, it, it's on a spectrum and it's, it's the circumstances that surround you that will influence whether you're a world citizen or not. Do you think that the, the limiting factor in terms of cultivating again, this kind of world citizenship perspectives among more people, is it going back to a previous point, do you think that is an education problem? Um, and short of, you know, funding everyone to, to go on flights to random countries, what, what do you feel like is a actionable way to kind of move things towards kind of what you want to see? Is it just kind of what you're already doing with, without borders? Uh, or do you see also something else? Um, well, I think the first step is something like what I'm doing here with without borders and what a lot of other projects are doing, but is it's, it's just getting this feeling and getting the stories out there, right? Just, I think the more we listen to people's stories who might have a different perspective or experience than us, that's going to breed more of a global mindset. Um, but more on a specific level, it has to come down to bureaucracy and immigration, right? Um, <laughs> I, I think bureaucracy is just inherently racist right now. And that, that's got to change. We really have to start looking at um, like, well, like when you want to get a visa or when you want to move to a different country. Right now, if you have the wrong passport, like, and I'm saying quote unquote, like wrong passport, you're not going to get into the country unless you have a certain amount of money, right? And obviously that's flawed. We need to start looking at things on an individual basis. And uh, I don't know what it is about bureaucracy, but the, especially in the immigration realm, it seems to attract the least empathetic and lazy people. And I'm sorry for any bureaucrats listening to this. If you disagree with me, please just reach out to me and I'd love to hear your perspective. But from everyone I've talked to so far, there is just so many nightmares and just like, you know, like stories of bureaucrats just losing people's papers or then, you know, like turning people back because they didn't sign it in the correct spot. And th they're holding people's life in their hands with these simple little pieces of paper. And I mean, it seems so archaic to me because nowadays, I mean, Apple, <laughs> Facebook, they all know everything about me, right? I could just look at my phone and uh, I, I get into my phone and then they have all the information about me. They know what I like. They know where I'm from, blah, blah, blah. Yet for me to go to a different country, I need to spend, and I'm not exaggerating here, sometimes like six months just gathering paperwork to prove who I am. And it, it doesn't make sense. But in terms of talking about borders, just as uh, a concept and a legal mechanism used to restrict movement of people. So would you make the argument that borders defined that way are just inherently bad? Do you, do you see any redeeming qualities for for borders in, in that sense? Or Yeah. Um... I, I know once we get like three or four degrees down, it, it can start getting complex, but, you know, if we just start moving and down the yeah. chain of complexity. No, I mean, of course, borders play a role, right? Like my, yeah, my, my theme is without borders, but, um, I'm not ignorant to the fact that border borders play their role. And I don't think they're inherently evil though. Not at all. I mean, borders, they help to protect, um, 
cultural and, and linguistic heritage um, of minority groups in some cases, right? Um, they, they help to preserve a sense of belonging, right? Um, and in some cases, borders can also keep uh, people out, right? On, on a smaller scale, if, if you want, if, if you're part of an organization that spreads hate or you're part of a terrorist organization, right? And people find out you should not be able to get across the border. I, I'm completely aware of that. Um, so no, I, I don't think they're inherently evil, but it's just the rhetoric that surrounds the borders and just, yeah, how it is with set up with bureaucracy. I think we have to make sure that the, that yeah, people just have a freedom of movement beyond these borders. And, and that, that's kind of relates to the question you just asked. And when I say without borders, I'm not saying like, okay, let's just all of a sudden just have a borderless world, right? I just think more about borderless thinking. How can we still have these borders, still have these different cultures, but just make it so that we we get along easier, um, that we're able to physically travel across these borders easier, um, things like that. But while keeping in mind the good things about these borders and why they're here in the first place.